greet you once again in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Just a wonderful time of worshiping the Lord together with the saints. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'd like to have you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Today I want to talk about striving together. It takes courage to strive together, brothers and sisters. Amen? It takes courage. The courage of the Lord. Working together in Christ, that's something that God is in it. He loves that. He appreciates that. He's in those kind of things. Working together, striving together, being courageous. Amen. Amen. Let's read from Philippians chapter 1. He said, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. He's talking to the whole church. He said, which are... He said, to all the saints which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Very encouraging verse for us today. Even as it is meet for me to think this is of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifested in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set. For the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether it is in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I therein do rejoice ye, and I will rejoice. For I know that this for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through my prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But that with all boldness has always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, 
Nevertheless, to, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your, so your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation in that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, that not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you today, Father God, for the love and the mercy that you share with us, your grace that is sufficient. Father, we thank you today for your word and your spirit. We thank you that we can come together in the house of God. We thank you, Lord, that today the saints of God can gather, come together to worship you, to hear from the throne room of God. I pray, Father, this morning you'd have your way, that the Holy Spirit once again would minister to us, Father God. I pray, Father, today that the Holy Ghost would come and anoint us, anoint my lips and my heart and my mind. I pray, Father, you'd anoint the hearers, the ears and the hearts, that they'd be prepared, Lord, to receive for what you have for us, Lord. We thank you. We bless your holy name. Father, today I thank you again for what you do for us every day, every hour. As we sang, we need thee every hour. Father, we praise you for that. We thank you that we trusted you. We believe in you. We have faith in you. We thank you that you are with us every hour, that you are by our side. You are in our hearts, that you lead us, you guide us, you direct us, you mold us, you shape us, O oh God. And Father, today we pray, as Brother Moses was sharing, Lord, as, your, as the rain and the snow comes from heaven, as it moistures the ground and that it brings, as the seed is planted in the ground and it makes it sprout and grow and bring fruit. That is how your word, Father God, comes and goes forth and it will not come back void. We thank you once again, Lord, that your word is faithful and true, is righteous. Father, we thank you that you're with us. Keep us in your care. Keep us safe, Lord. Keep us from evil, from harm. And Lord, bless us with your glory and your righteousness. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This, this day I'd like you to look to your neighbor and remind them that we are striving together. Yes, we're in this together. You know, today you sometimes hear the remarks in the world where they say, we're in this together. You know, COVID kind of brought that <clears throat> where people have that saying and kind of that uh, attitude or feel the need. And there's a lot of truth to that. And today, as the church of Jesus Christ, as Paul was speaking here to the church at Philippi, he's speaking to the church at Trinity Fellowship today. That's what he's bringing out. Today, as we talk about striving together, our key verse is verse 27. And as we look at that, in verse 27, he talks about, he said that our conversation, he's talking about our lifestyle, becometh the gospel of Christ that our lifestyle is according to the Word of God. He said that whether I come, Paul is saying whether he's here, whether he's with us, that's what he's telling the church 
What he's bringing out is the importance of being faithful no matter who, where, and what. The situation, but that be, be faithful and true, striving together, together in one spirit, standing fast, he said, in one spirit, with mind, striving together, he said, for the faith of the gospel. That's what it's about. As we stand together, as a body of believers stand together, the unity of Jesus Christ, the unity, the body of Christ, when it's united in the spirit, it makes a tremendous difference because it's just like, it's just I think many times when I think of unitedness, I think back in the times where I grew up in Canada as a little boy. We had a lot of snow up there. And, I, and they would always bring these big V-blades out with the, with the road graders. And, and they could just about, we thought they can bust through anything because they have so much power. And that uh, V-blade, and then they had another blade on top to push the snow further out. They would come with a lot of force and just bust those roads open. But can you imagine with all that power, with all that pressure, there was roads they could not open until spring. They would use the big end loaders and open them when it started to warm up. That's how much snow it would get. I remember those times. But what we see here when we are united as a body of believers like that, that's what I'm saying. There's really, when God is in it, there's really nothing we, we can't face as a body. But remember, when we're striving together, not striving against each other. That is what Paul is saying. We need to stand together and we have this V-blade and has the enemy and his angels try to attack us, we blow them right away. Why? Because God and his angels are behind the blade and pushing, giving us the strength and the courage, the power to plow through those dirty and nasty times where the devil wants to come and attack us as individuals, as body of believers, as in the homes or whatever it might be. Remember, the one within us is much more powerful than the one that is without. Amen? And that's where it comes in to strive together. It's interesting, as I was looking at this, this uh, message this morning, I was looking at, uh, I preached this message, well, it's obviously not the same, but has somewhat the same. Uh, in 2012, in 2018, in 2020, and now today. Striving together. Isn't that something? When you look at striving together, you think about a football team. How does any team win? If they don't, if they don't work together, it's very difficult and very little chance they're going to win. But when they work together, what do they do? They're looking out for each other. They got each other's back. Maybe they, maybe they had plans. Maybe the quarterback had plans to throw the, throw the ball over that direction, but it didn't work out. Too, many co too much coverage. So he throws it over there. That guy is waiting. He's, he's as well watching as the one over there. You can't just have one man focus. You can't. A church cannot be built or flow or do well with just depending on your pastor. It has nothing like that. It takes everyone. Everyone needs to be part of the body. It's just like, what if you miss, well, like Brother Noah, he broke his foot. He's realizing that how important two feet are. So many times we don't think as much about it until it's like, oh, wait a minute. That, that thing makes a lot of difference. He said in, in uh, I think it was in verse 22, he's, on verse 23, he said, I'm betwixt. 
Like he said, for I am in the strait betwixt two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, he said, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. <laughs> so there, you know, maybe we have a desire to leave. We have a desire to go home, be with the Lord, but yet we're needed here right now. You know, we have the, God has a plan for us. But working together, striving together is so important because when, when you don't strive together, when you don't work together, selfish ambition comes in. It can, it can truly ruin a church. It can truly ruin a home. It can ruin relationships so, so fast. Selfish ambition is not a good thing. But remember, true humility is what builds. I said true humility. That's what builds a church because the love of God, that's what the love of God is. It's humility. It's not boasting and being the one that knows all this stuff. But that's what, that's what Paul is bringing out. It's important that we strive together, we wrestle together. In a united effort, that's what we do. Side by side, striving for the faith, like he said up there, that we have a one mind striving together for the faith of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. And as we do that, you know, sometimes, sometimes when we see when we're striving together, it's like where one is maybe a little bit weak and the other one is so much stronger there. It actually builds each other up as we're helping one another, as we're reaching out to each other. And that's another thing. I think one of the things is so important ingredient in the Christian's life, if we could just see that, is even working together to help each other out. We see now the day is much more today where when, when we help somebody, we expect to be paid. It's more that way. And years ago, the way I was raised, even though we weren't Christian people, but the way we were raised in our culture and in, in the old times like that, what we did is we went and helped others. We went and helped them build their home. We went and helped them build their barn. And it didn't really matter. You didn't think about asking them for money. But today in the Christian circles, it's, it's kind of a little bit too much. I think we should reconsider even striving together can help us in those areas where we're there for one another. We see somebody needs a hand. Maybe you have to say no to the volleyball. Maybe you have to say no to the football. I don't know. Maybe you have to say no to, like, hunting. That's close to my heart. I like hunting. Maybe say no to that because I see some brother has a need. He might need me. But I think it's important we're reminded. Striving together is not all about maybe just letting each other know that, hey, make sure you're faithful now. You know, did you read? Did you pray today? That may is important, but it's also to see when we see somebody just has a need. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not even what we call a real dire need, but just something they could use a hand on. Say, hey, you know, I'll come help you. Today, aren't we a little bit hesitant to ask somebody, hey, could you come and help me? We actually became that way. As Christian people, we become where we, we kind of don't like to ask somebody to help us. Maybe that's something we should bring back. You know, as a body believer, say, hey, you know, Brother Clem, could you help me? I, I, I could use a hand for a couple hours. We really don't practice that that much. I'm one of them as well. We just kind of, well, you know, we know people are busy. You know, it's good to be busy. You know that. It's good for us to be busy about the Father's kingdom, about the Father's business. And has, I believe we can go about our everyday duties and be about His kingdom. I believe that. We can, the, the Bible says we should do it as unto the glory of God, whatever we do. So as we do that, as we go to work, as we are driving down the road, as we're pounding the nail, as we're sitting in the office and taking phone calls, whatever our job is, I believe we can do it to the glory of God. Maybe we're making ice cream cones. 
Those sound pretty nice in the summertime. Whatever we're doing, God can be in it. God can be in that. Maybe we're, uh, maybe we're a truck driver. You know, it depends a lot on where our heart is. That makes, actually a, that makes all the difference. Where our heart is at. Like back in the time when I was growing up, I many times heard the preachers say this. You know, from the Amish, they, their perspective was obviously, it wasn't born again. So their perspective was this way. I remember them telling uh, the church often. They, they would say, well, you know, the, the, it's not right to drive a car because the car can take you to a bar. You know, take to ungodly places. Do you know it's not the car's problem when it goes to the bar? It's the person who's driving that car. It's his problem. The car only goes, has a rule anyway, where you turn it to go. Once in a while, there's conflict there that it doesn't. But it has a rule. The car goes where we turn it to go. And that's kind of like the cell phone. You know, so sometimes people say, well, they can have a phone, but no internet, because the internet has a lot of bad things. It does, but it has a lot of good things. Again, see, where's the heart at? That's what he's going to look at. That's what he's going to go after. It's where your heart is at. And that's where striving together, when we work together, when we strive together, when we fight together, I didn't say fight each other, when we fight together, what makes a difference? Maybe you're even feeling just a little bit weak in something, and your brother comes along and is helping you, and just in conversation, he touches on something that you needed to hear, or even just to be there for you. And it encouraged you so much, it'd be like, if he didn't come, there's no money that could buy that. See that? Just little things. Striving together is a very important ingredient in the Christian circle. Even in families, spending time together. Striving together for your children so that they learn what is right, what is wrong. So that they learn the love of God. So that they practice the love of God. The love of God is not just about loving. The love of God is about forgiving. When you fall, that you help each other up. When you stumble that you don't stay down. Striving together is to be there for one another. You know, if we are truly, I believe if we're truly there for one another, if we strive together, we're there for each other no matter what time it is, no matter when it is. I have that saying that the church gave to me one time. I just... The other day, I kind of put it there on my desk because it doesn't have a frame. But anyway, it says, uh, it says on there that the pastor is never off duty. He's on call 24-7. And he kind of is. It's nice that I don't get a call in the middle of the night, but it obviously has happened before. And you know why that's important? Because there's times somebody might have a need Maybe somebody got hurt. Maybe somebody's just discouraged. And they need to make that call or that text or that WhatsApp or whatever it is. It's important we're there for each other, no matter what it is. So we lift each other up, like Paul said, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation. 
that of God. I want to go on and read in, in the next chapter, chapter 2, I want to read the first five verses. He said, if, if, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, he said, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, he said, but in lowliness of mind. Look what he said, lowliness of mind, let each esteem other betters than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, it's not something new. It's not something strange. This is what Jesus, this was the mind of Christ. That we're there, we're one accord, we're one mind. That it's not about strife, not vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem. Let each esteem other better than themselves. That is what he's bringing on. Look, look what he said further down. I want to go read there in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, has he always obeyed, not has in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the in the midst of a perfect world. No, he said, a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Look at that. We don't live in a perfect world. Paul knew that. He knew there's problems. We live in a perverse, a crooked and a perverse nation. Doesn't it sometimes kind of grieve our heart? It should. It should. That's, that's the Christian people's outlook. That's our view because we see that. We see that the days we're in. We see that the times we're in. But I believe that according to the Word of God, where He says about that we should come together, the closer the time comes, we so much the more should we gather and encourage and remind one another. That is what He's talking about here. That's what He's bringing us, bringing out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What do you think of that when it says fear and trembling? The fear of God, that's what it's talking about. It's not about being afraid of what if somebody catches me sinning? What if somebody catches me do something? No, it's the fear of God means that is our heart's desire. We're sold out to that. We, we do it because we love God. We honor Him. We worship Him. He's everything to us. The other day, a little boy, one of my little grandsons, he said, Papa, he said, you know who I love first? And he got me very unexpected thinking, well, no. He said, Jesus. I'm like, that's, that's precious. That's amazing. That's what he said. He said, Jesus. He said, then mommy and daddy. See? See, that's what happens when you spend time in the Lord, when you walk like Christ himself, when you walk in, his, in the newness of life. The children, even when they're little, they pick that up. They might see you're not perfect, but they understand. They know you love God. They know that you don't love to sin. They know that. They can see that. So why is it sometimes when I'm reading, I'm maybe reading them a Bible story or something, and be, when I start reading, they, they take it on, and they're not even looking at the book. They're not even looking at the Bible. They know what it says. It's not the first time they heard it. They know Grandpa's not telling them anything new. It's just a reminder. 
Amen. We have a lot of young. If you look at our, our uh, beautiful body of Christ, we have a lot of young people. And they're having little children and raising them. And it's a gift, of the, a gift from the Lord. That's what it is. To be able to have family, to be able to have children, to raise them to the glory of God. Like he said, do all things without murmurings and disputings. He said that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. He expects us to live a blameless and a, and a harmless life in a perverse and a crooked nation. He didn't say in a, just in a wonderful nation. Even though I like to think sometimes America is still, you know, a beautiful country. Even though it's so messed up with some of the uh, situations and people that we deal with. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would have a born-again believer in for our leader? Wouldn't that be something? Or even at least somebody that would love God and say, well, we need to pray in the schools, read the, have devotions every morning, and, and the list goes on. That's how it used to be. That's how it used to be, brothers and sisters. But remember, as time went on, people forget. People walk away. And one generation, then the next generation, and then that next generation, and then the next generation, it's a downward spiral. When we don't serve God, you serve the devil. That's how it works. And when people serve the devil and they, and they practice to love the devil, can you imagine? Now they have children, and they progress in that. It's just, it's really, a, it's, a, it's the kingdom of the devil. But remember, God's kingdom is much greater, much more powerful. Amen? Amen. Let's go and read from, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. When we think about the striving together... Has Jesus Christ, when he was here, even though, even though Jesus told the enemy, even though Jesus told those people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, you know, he called them a couple things there. He told them they're vipers. He said how they're such ungodly people and, and why they're going to suffer because of their, you know, they, they don't believe him for what he's saying. But he also, the people that were for him, he was for them. Even though, see Peter when he got out of the boat. See what happened to him. He believed God, even though he was a little wobbly, he was a little weak in, in some of his things with the Lord. But God honored, Jesus, he honored that. He seen that, that Peter wondered what was right. So what did he do? Peter says, well, hey, if it's you, let me come and walk to you on the water. Oh, Peter starts out just fine. Makes me think how so many, sometimes that's how people, when they get born again, they start out just fine. They get out on the water and everything is going good and all at once, hey, they're sinking. You know, it's one thing to sink, but did you notice what Peter did when he sunk? What did he do? Yeah, he cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord! Too many times people forget to cry out to him. See that? They forget to cry out to him. See, they were striving together. Jesus knew. He said, no, I'm, I'm on your team. Remember that? We talked a little bit about being on the team last Sunday, I think it was. So you think of God. God is not against you, brothers and sisters. He's not against you. He is for you. He is for you. The Savior of the world, He's for you. Amen? That's why He came. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
in verse 4. Look what he said. He said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Have you noticed how many times Paul would thank God for you, for his church, for the people he was working with? What a testimony. In verse 5, he said that in everything, ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, he keeps talking about being blameless. How can you and I be, be blameless? Through the blood of Christ. When you're washed in the blood, you're blameless. If you're not blameless, you might have dabbled in sin. You might fell into sin. But remember, you can be blameless. By the Holy Spirit, through the blood of the Lamb, you can be blameless. Amen. And that's what Paul is talking about. God is faithful, he said, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. Are you with me? That you all speak the same thing. He's talking about that our lifestyles are according to his word. And if it is, then we speak the same thing. We speak about the same Christ. We speak about the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We speak about the one that has saved and delivered us. We might have a little different testimony from the other one. But we speak about the same gospel, the same word of God. He said that we speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. And then he went on to say how some say they're of Apollos and, and some are of Paul and some are of Cephas and others say uh, they're of Christ. And then he asked them, he said, are, is Christ divided? See, that's as far as we'll read there. But what we think about that is what Paul is bringing out again is when we are of one mind, one accord, when we strive together, when we work together, when we look out for each other. You know, that's one thing. When people, when a church, let's take a body of believers. Let's take Trinity Fellowship for an example. When you and I, when this body of Christ stands together, look at my hands, like this. When we are united, striving together, that's how it looks. I'd like somebody, I don't care how strong you are, try to come and take these hands apart. You're not, I don't even have to try hard. You're not able to. But when I do this way, just put them flat together, you can get them apart pretty easy. There's not a lot of strength in that. Somebody can come just pull them apart. But when you do this, when you interlock, that's what I like to think of Trinity Fellowship. That this, is, this is our relationship with Christ. Christ holds that together where the fingers, the hands are interlocked. And there's no matter what comes or what goes, we can stand together. Because then when the enemy comes, what is he looking at? <laughs> He's trying to find a place to get in. He's like, how can I tear this thing apart? Every time I pull one open, the other one kicks me right out. Because they're striving together. But when they do this way, when they have their hands flat, he says, oh, <laughs> see there, I can, I can get in there. It's not that hard. I push it a little bit apart. They're fine with that. That's why so many churches don't stand. I didn't say they don't keep going. I said they don't stand. 
The reason churches don't stand is the enemy comes in, the devil and his crew comes in. Remember, they have been getting, they have been coming to the world's store to get their love. The wrong one. So they don't have the strength. They allow the devil to come in and the church keeps going. But the devil comes in and plants other seeds, his seeds. And they slowly get used to it, slowly get used to it. The church becomes bigger, 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 and bigger. They might even have to build a new building. But the enemy came in because they were not truly united. And then sometimes, as time goes on, some start to see it. Others don't see it. Now what happens? Their hands aren't even together anymore. See that? Now they're over here. Now their church is divided. So finally, somebody's going to make a stand for the truth, and others are going to say, oh, it's not. You know, we got to be loving. we got to be kind. That's a newfangled church. we got to be loving and kind. But loving and kind, according to God's word, rebukes the devil. Loving and kind don't allow sin in the home, don't allow sin in the church. So now what happens? Somebody takes a stand, now they have a split. That's what happens sometimes. But when a church stands like this, interlocked, the hands are together like this, a devil has no chance. Remember, I didn't tell you he doesn't try, but he has no chance. Because Jesus Christ is the one that's holding that. I don't have to put much effort into this at all when you come and try to pull my hands apart. It doesn't take much because they're united. They're united. And that's what it is as a church. When we're united, that's how it is in a home. Brothers and sisters, if you have a home, say you have a family, when you're united, but if you're not united, nah, the home gets pretty rocky. Gets to be a place. You want your home to be a place where you strive together, not just the church. Can you imagine when the homes strive together, how much more strength and power there is in the church? Now, they bring these strong families come together as a body of believers. They're already united. So their, their mindset, the heart is already sold out to, to Christ where he's at. So now when we come together as a body of believers, we just unite like that because we know God is in that. We know Jesus. That's where he's at. But when the home is all tore apart, it doesn't mean you can't unite in the church, but it makes more of a struggle for the church. Because the family isn't united. The family's in rough shape. Remember, it doesn't mean you can't come to that. It just makes it easier as a body of believers. Sometimes families have a rough time and they come to a solid, united church and that's how they get their family together. That can happen as well. So God has a plan. When we strive together, brothers and sisters, there's so much. There's so much that God's people can do. And there's so little that the devil can do. There's so little he can do when we stand together, when we strive together, when we fight together. I said together. Because when we fight together, we're in this together. As we move forward, we're all together. That's kind of like when the geese fly south in the fall. Always like how they do that. They fly in a V. They fly in a V-shape, in a V-form. And did you notice if you watch them fly quite a ways, they'll switch off. The front one will come back and the other one will come forward. 
Because the ones up front, they're blazing the trail. It's harder for them to fly maybe. That's just my thoughts. I never did research. It's harder for them maybe to fly than the ones shaped like that. But anyway, notice, you watch them. If you pay attention to them, they will switch. They'll switch off. So it's important. It's important that we're there. That's what I want to bring out. It's important that we're there. Remember, the pastor might be kind of the blazing the trail, so to speak, but Jesus is the one that ultimately blazes the trail. And that's kind of how it is in the home. The husband kind of blazes the trail, so to speak. But you know, without his wife and his children, what does he have to blaze? See, it takes us all. Striving together makes a wonderful thing for the Lord. It builds the kingdom of God. Striving together to love one another, to forgive one another, to love each other unconditionally, like he said there. Let's go to Romans chapter 16. It's right next door. Romans 16, he said in verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by, by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. That is some powerful couple verses, and it's probably, those are actually some verses I have never heard. I've never heard anybody preach those. I've never heard anybody share those from the pulpit. But, you know, those are words that are important as well as anything else in the Bible. Because what it's bringing out is important. What Paul is saying in Romans there is that we don't allow. See, if we don't, if we don't take care of offenses and things like that, people that want to cause divisions, if we are not, remember I was just talking about being united? If we don't have that, People that are very offensive and are are doing contrary to the word of God, they come and they try to tear the church apart. If we are not united, they can get it done. But when we are united, we can in love share with them. We're not going for that stuff. We're going to stay with Christ, no matter how it looks to them. It might look to them like it's a little rough. But what amounts to is how God looks at it. Because why would Paul write that? He said, He said, I beseech you, brethren, mark them. Be aware of them. He said that cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrine. And he didn't even say, he said, which ye have learned. And he said, just to avoid them. He wants us not to allow them to come in and cause a distraction and tear it apart. That's what he's bringing out. He wants us to stand together, strive together when we do that. When those kind of things come up, we're on one page. We're on the same page. But we don't want that to come in and distract us or even tear it apart. But he said they don't even, uh, they don't even serve their Lord Jesus Christ. He said they do not. He said that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly with good words and fair speeches. He said they deceive the simple. See, sometimes the truth... Sometimes the truth actually asks us to be kind of tough. That's what happens sometimes, and you all know that. You know how it is. 
Anybody that walks with the Lord knows sometimes to, to live the truth, to speak the truth, to even love the truth is it's kind of a little bit tough, maybe difficult, maybe not convenient, but it's something that is very important, that we're like-minded, that we're one body, one spirit, that quickens and comforts and loves as Christ loves, that we're together, that we're united, that we're not divided, but united in the spirit. And He gives us the strength. He gives us the courage. <clears throat> and he, he gives us that ambition from Him. Remember, not the self-ambition, because self-ambition will definitely, uh, it'll, what it does, it ruins. It ruins a home. It ruins a church. It ruins relationships because it comes from self. But let's go back as we close into where we started in Philippians chapter 1. I want to read a couple verses there and then we'll close. But if we think about striving together, brothers and sisters, maybe you think of other things that would be so important, that could be such a blessing. But when you think about that, he said to stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's not that the word of God needs help, but we need help. So that we stand together, we live what the Bible says, that we live what the Bible, uh, practice what the Bible tells us, that we would not be like one of those that is just preaching because of envy and strife and trying to make someone else look bad or good or however it is, but that it comes from the heart. That's what he said there in verse 15 and 16 and 17. He's talking about that, how important it is. But you know what he even said? Paul said at least his word, the word of God is going forth. And when you and I, when we stand together, when we stand together on God's word, we love one another. We look at, the, we look at what's going on. Just because we're in a big storm, in a big situation, that doesn't mean God isn't in it. That doesn't mean God is not with you. But we want to be in his will. We want to live according to his will. His plan. But remember, strive together and be united in the Spirit and don't strive against each other, but together. That's an important thing. In the family of God, in the homes, in the churches, no matter where we go, what we're doing, but when we have each other, when we have Jesus Christ in the center, when He is the wheel, when He's the hub of the wheel, that wheel will stay together. That wheel is able to work things out because on the hub, then there's all the spokes. When I was a young boy, I would make wheels. And we would buy the hub and buy the spokes, buy the fellow, buy the, the rim and all that, and we put it all together. And when you put it all together, if you didn't have a solid hub, that wheel was no good. And that's how it is. We can all strive together. If Jesus Christ is not the hub of that wheel, is still going to go flat. But when he's the hub of the wheel and we strive together, we'll make it together because he's the one that's in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.